It's uh, great to be here. We always love uh, being with you guys here in City Church Sheffield. We uh, love this church. We love what God's doing amongst you. Uh, We love the sense of the Spirit of God being poured out. And if you're a visitor here this morning, you may be uh, a first-time visitor. Maybe you've been coming a few times and you're looking into this church and you're thinking, these people are slightly strange. Well, you're probably right because... We believe that we are filled with the Holy Spirit, that God's power, God's Spirit, the third person of the Trinity, God is three, three in one, God the Father, God the Son, and God the Holy Spirit. Uh, He comes and fills his people, and he comes and talks to his people. In fact, Jesus prefigured that when he said, my sheep, that's another biblical picture of who we are with a flock of God. Jesus said, my sheep will hear my voice. And we hear the voice of God through one another by the Holy Spirit. And I just want to say thank you to literally everyone who's contributed this morning. I feel that the presence of the Lord has been very powerfully with us in the worship. And I feel that the presence of the Lord's voice has been very powerfully with us through everyone who's contributed. In fact, I was frantically scribbling notes down in my notes, thinking, oh, I'd like to refer to that, I'd like to refer to that, I'd like to refer to that. I probably won't refer to it all, but I do feel that God is doing a new thing amongst you. So that very first uh, reading, that very first one we had, I feel God is doing something new here amongst you. In fact, if it's okay with you, I'd like to preach out of a prophecy. And I will refer to the Bible. We're going to refer to two passages in the Bible, one in John's Gospel and one in Genesis. But I just feel I want to underline some of the things that I know God has already said to you as a body of believers. And if you're a guest, please feel free to listen in. At the end of my preaching this morning, we're going to give opportunities for people to be filled afresh with the Holy Spirit. And if you're a guest, we'd love you to be filled with the Holy Spirit. If you're a visitor, we'd love you to be filled with the Holy Spirit. This isn't exclusively for city members. This is, ex- this is exclusively for all those who call on the name of the Lord, who want to be filled with his Holy Spirit. So the last time I was actually with you in this building was the time we laid hands on Chris and for eldership and Chris and Wendy together, but for Chris for eldership. And you, who was there at that meeting? Any kids there in that meeting as well? Yay, some kids as well. Brilliant. Well, you may or may not remember, but I felt God gave me a word for you as a church that he was doing a new thing amongst you and that it was like he was putting on to an old building a new story or a new room or a new dwelling place. That God himself was honoring the past He was honoring all the layers of this church in its various stages in the past. There's been literally thousands, I would even dare to say tens of thousands of people who've been influenced by this church here in Sheffield, who've perhaps been members here, perhaps come along, perhaps been part of various programs, various phases of this church. And we honor the past. We honor what God has done before us. But do you know what? We're not stuck in the past. And God is always doing a new thing. We thank him for the faithfulness of everyone who's gone before, all the leaders that have gone before, all the people who've gone before. And it's like, in my picture, they were still in the building, but they were like in other levels. And they were still enjoying their day. They were enjoying what they 
were doing. They were enjoying what God had done with you in the past. But God's saying, right now, City Church, I'm doing a new thing amongst you. And it's like God's putting a new level on this building. It's like there's a new room being formed. And that's forced me, if you like, to pray about this because I feel responsible to kind of unpack that word with you. And I've been looking at two scriptures in the Bible where God says that he's doing a new thing and it's like there's a new room being built. There's there's something new happening. And the first one, if you turn with me to John's Gospel. So this is John's eyewitness account of Jesus. And this is going to be a bit of a strange one for you, but I'll unpack it, hopefully, to your satisfaction. Uh, You can come back to me if you disagree with me, and that's fine. Jesus has been with the disciples at this point for about three years. They've had remarkable times together. They've identified that Jesus is the Messiah. He's the saviour of the world. He's the one who's going to come and bring God's kingdom of power and authority to planet Earth. And they are part of his team. The disciples are so excited to be part of his team. He called them out of their occupations. Some were fishermen, some were tax collectors, some were zealots, some were academics. But he called them all out and he called them together and he built them into a group of people, a family of people, his disciples, his followers. And he starts to let them know what's going to happen. In the next few chapters, Jesus himself is going to come and give his life. He's going to come and die for the world. And he starts to open that up to the disciples. And then he says, do you know what, disciples? I'm actually going to leave you. I'm going to be going. Now, you imagine, you put yourself in that place. You put yourself in the place of you're part of Jesus' team. You're part of the Messiah's team. You're part of the team that's going to bring the kingdom of God to planet Earth. You're part of the team that's seeing healings and miracles and water turning into wine. Your boss has just walked on the water. He's done amazing things. And he says he's going to be going. Now, if you were me, you wouldn't say, praise the Lord, hallelujah. You'd say, no, Jesus, don't go. Please don't go. Don't leave us here. We we can't do it without you, Jesus. You're the leader. You're the figurehead. You're the one who's made it all happen. You're the Messiah. You're the king. You're the boss. You're the Lord. Please don't go. But Jesus said in this passage, do you know what? It's actually better for you that I do go to the Father because the Father's going to send another one just like me who was with me from the beginning, who is the Holy Spirit, And he's going to not just be with you like I was with you, but actually he is going to be in you. And let's just uh, read some of this thing, some of these, uh, some of these uh, scriptures. Let's look at John 14 and let's just look at uh, verses uh, uh, one following. Do not let your hearts be troubled. So don't worry about what I've just said that I'm going. You see, he said that. He said that he's going to be going in verse 33. Children, chapter 13, my children, I will be with you for only a little longer. You will look for me. And just as I told the Jews, so I tell you now, where I'm going, you can't go. He says, you're going to go? What? No, actually, it's going to be better for you. Don't let your hearts be troubled. Trust in God. Trust in me. 
in my father's house, and that's a really crucial phrase, which we'll pick up in a moment, in my father's house are many rooms, many dwelling places. If it were not so, I would have told you, and I'm going there to prepare a place for you. But I will come back and take you to be with me, that you may be where I am. You know the way to the place I'm going. Then Thomas says, hey, we don't even know the way. That's another story. But Jesus is saying, he's going to go away, and he's going to prepare a dwelling place. It's going to be my father's house. And when I was a child, hello children, it's great to have you in the meeting. When I was your age at Sunday school, that's what we had to, we kind of didn't have the privilege of sitting in the meeting like this when I was your age. We had to go out to kind of kids church and Sunday school. And they taught us this passage meant something different from what I think it means. They taught us that this was all about heaven. They taught us, in fact, we used to sing a song. Somewhere in outer space, God has prepared a place for those who trust him. And Do you remember that song? No, yeah. It was like, it was kind of the space age when I was growing up. And this was like a space song. And God, Jesus had kind of gone away and somewhere in outer space, somewhere up there in the moon or the Mars or Saturn somewhere, he was going to prepare a, a heavenly place, a heavenly mansion for me. And one day when I die... I'm going to go up and have my heavenly mansion. And Jesus is kind of like preparing a room. He's the great hotelier. He's uh, like fluffing up the cushions and the pillows. And he's, he's kind of making it all nice for me when I go. And when I get to heaven, I'll have my own room. And if you share a room with a brother or a sister, you're going, yes, I have my own room. And uh, that's what I thought this passage meant. That Jesus said in my father's house, there's going to be this room for me. But actually, I don't believe that's the full meaning of this chapter. There may be an echo of that. There may be what theologians call an eschatological or an end time echo. There may be a picture of that. But this isn't the prime explanation of these verses. Because Jesus has already told us what the Father's house is. In the same gospel, the same phrase, in John chapter 2, just flick back with me, John chapter 2, I'm going to read from verse 13. When it was almost time for the Jewish Passover, Jesus went up to Jerusalem. Now he goes to the temple. And the temple in the New Testament and in the Old Testament represents the presence of God on planet Earth. God dwelt in the temple. God's presence was in the temple. In the temple courts, and then Jesus gets very angry. Do you know, kids, mum and dad tell you sometimes don't get angry, don't they? They say, don't get angry. You think Jesus gets angry at this point. It's a bit confusing. Because it's okay to be angry at something that's very wrong. Now, we shouldn't get angry with brothers and sisters and mums and dads and that sort of thing. But sometimes we can be angry at injustice in the world. We can be angry that things are wrong. And Jesus here gets very angry. In the temple courts, he found people selling cattle, sheep and doves and others sitting at tables exchanging money. money. So he made a whip. (laughs) Have you ever noticed that? He just, you think it takes time to make a whip. You think, Jesus, what are you doing? Well, you'll find out in a minute. He makes this whip out of cords. And then 
he drove out all from the temple area, the sheep and the cattle, and scattered the coins of the money changers and overturned their tables. And to those who sold doves, he says, get these out of here. How dare you turn my father's house, that's the phrase, into a market. And his disciples remembered that it was written, zeal for your house will consume me. Now it goes on because Jesus is just about now to explain what the temple is, what the real temple is. And it's not going to be these bricks and mortar that they're physically looking at. Then the Jews demanded of him, verse 18, what miraculous sign can you show us to prove your authority to do this? Jesus answered them, destroy this temple and I will raise it again in three days. They said, it's taken 46 years to build this temple and you're going to raise it in three days. But the temple he had spoken of was his body. After he was raised from the dead, the disciples recalled and realized what he'd said. Then they believed the scripture and the words that Jesus had spoken. So it sounds complicated at first, but it's very simple. Jesus is saying this, I am the fulfillment of the Father's house. I am the fulfillment of the temple. Everything that the temple represents in terms of heaven and earth together, the presence of God, meeting God, finding God, it's in me. In fact, when Thomas says in John chapter 14, Jesus, what is this way to God? Jesus said, actually, I'm the way. You come through me. And if you're a guest here, you might think, how do I get into this religion? How do I get into this church? How do I get into this? Is it complicated? Are there special procedures? Are there ceremonies or rituals? Well, actually, Jesus is very clear. He says, I'm the way. I'm the temple. You come through me. And if you're a guest, we want to invite you to understand that Jesus himself is the way, the truth, and the life. Jesus himself is the one who brings us to God. Because Jesus himself is the temple. The temple was the way to God. Jesus is the fulfillment of that. He is the way to God. So when Jesus says, I'm going to prepare a room for you in the Father's house, what he's actually saying is this. It's about the church. It's about a new temple. He's saying, I'm going to prepare a place for you to dwell. I'm going to prepare a room for you. And I'm going to come and dwell with you by the Holy Spirit. Jesus, in that passage, is speaking about City Church Sheffield. He's speaking about us being a dwelling place of God. Us being the habitation of God. He's speaking about us being this room. So the room isn't something in heaven that we get, although we will get a wonderful new body and a wonderful experience when we go to be with him. But he's actually speaking about us now in the church. This is the dwelling of place of God. This is the room of God. This is the temple of God. The writers in the New Testament pick up that theme and they say, don't you know you are now the temple of God? And you used to have to go to Jerusalem 
to meet God in a temple. It was the Passover time. That's when you went up to Jerusalem to meet with God. You had to go to one country, in one place, to one building. And the truth is this, only one man once a year could actually go into the presence of God, the high priest. But when Jesus died, it said the veil in the temple was ripped from top to bottom, symbolizing that the presence of God now is open to all who come through the death and resurrection of Jesus. It's all about Jesus. It's all through him. And what I feel God wants to say to you here at City Church Sheffield is this. I want you to understand that I'm opening up new rooms in my temple. I'm opening up new habitations for you. I'm opening up new dwellings for you. I'm opening up new places where I'm going to live and dwell. Now, that might be new congregations. I think at the moment you meet in three congregations across the city. Well, maybe God wants to multiply that. Maybe he wants to multiply rooms of his dwelling, places where he comes and presences himself. Maybe it's talking about your small group, life group, I think we call them here. Maybe it's talking about your life group, because actually Jesus said, when even two or three of you come together, when even two or three of you meet, and it's hard to have a meeting with less than two or three, when even two or three of you meet, I'm going to come and presence myself with you. And it's not just we come on a Sunday to meet with Jesus. Actually, Jesus' room, Jesus' dwelling, Jesus' presence is with you on a Wednesday night as much as he is on a Sunday morning. Now, it might be even more than that. And I think he's speaking to many here who are in families that are in difficult places, in businesses, in schools. Many of you kids in school, in colleges, in factories, in boardrooms, in neighborhoods. And the truth is this. Jesus isn't just with us when we're together. Jesus is actually with us and in us in every circumstance and every place we go. Because actually the truth of the New Testament is we ourselves become a room for God. We come and he fills this temple. We become living temples like we're little individual temples of the big temple, which is the church, which is the big temple, which is the church of Jesus, which is all people everywhere who know him. So we individually get filled. So that means at school, tomorrow, you guys, you get to take Jesus to school with you. You know, you get to take other things with you, don't you? Like pack lunch and show and tell and you make some stuff. But you also get to take Jesus with you. He actually comes with you to school. His presence is with you. It's like you're bringing a little room of the temple, a little room of the spirit with you. And you really need to know that. And Jesus really wants to underline that for children, young people, and all of us here. Every single one of us gets to be a carrier of the presence of God. And when God's prophesying over you, City Church Sheffield, that he wants to open up a new room or new rooms, it's not just about when you come together on a Sunday. It's about all of life, every day. He's with you, and you're taking a little bit of room of heaven, A little bit of the room of heaven, 
a little bit of the temple, a little bit of Jesus, you're taking him with you into life. And he wants you to get really, really excited about that. Now, the temple did a couple of things, or several things, actually. In the temple was the only place that you could get right with God. Sometimes you had to bring a lamb or a dove or a bull or a goat to be sacrificed, to be killed on your behalf. And that's a strange ritual, isn't it? You look at that, you think, why would you kill a sheep to get right with God? Well, it's because it points forward to one who is the Lamb of God. We were singing about the lion and the lamb. Jesus is the Lamb of God. He is the sheep of God who gave his life for you. And it's only in temples like this that you can get right with God. So if you're a guest this morning, I want to invite you to get right with God because of Jesus' death, because of his sacrifice. He's the way that you get right with God, that you can find forgiveness for your sins, you can find all your past wiped away, all the wrong things you've done, all the shame and the greed and the arrogance and the lust and the materialism and everything you've carried into life, everything that's been done to you and everything you've done to others, in this temple, in this room, right now, because of what Jesus has done on the cross, you can get all that wiped away, which is wonderful. You could become a Christian a follower of Jesus. Think, how do I become a follower of Jesus? Right now, right this morning, you can say, thank you, Jesus, that you died on a cross as a lamb to take away my sin. He's the lamb of God who comes to take away the sin of the world, to make us right with God. The other thing that you could do in the temple is you could actually find healing. And there were certain people who were banned from the temple. That's those who weren't healed, unfortunately. The sick and the lame. The blind and the crippled. Jesus, in his earthly ministry, deliberately went out of his way to find the sick and the lame and the blind and the crippled. And he healed them and he gave them access to God. It doesn't matter what your situation is this morning. Jesus wants to go out of his way to come to your room, to bring forgiveness, but also to bring healing. And whether it's a sickness in the mind, or of the heart, or of the body, or of the emotions, whatever you feel your sickness is, Jesus' power is here, present this morning, to set you free. And even while I'm preaching, even while we're talking about this, Jesus will be doing things. Jesus will be walking amongst us. He'll be setting people free. He'll be healing them. He'll be ministering to people. So you can be confident that Jesus is amongst us. So Jesus is building a new room for you here in City Church Sheffield. The second scripture I want to refer you to is in Genesis and in chapter 26. So if you just turn to this. We haven't got time to go into all the detail of this this morning. But several people were prophesying about living water. Several people were prophesying about the Spirit coming like water. And in the Bible, the water is often associated with the Spirit. Jesus said, if you're thirsty, come to me and drink. And from within will flow rivers of living water. Often when we talk about the the scripture that was read from Isaiah 43, streams in the desert, this is all about the Holy Spirit. 
And this is like a little cameo, a little picture in the Old Testament of the water not being able to flow. And then we're finding the water is able to flow. It was interesting in some of the prophetic words that were coming. I think it was Debbie, this sense of uh, like, come away with me and I'm going to do a new thing. And the mud that has restricted you, I think that was Debbie's thing, the mud that has restricted you and clogged you up is going to be washed away by this living water and you're going to be set free. Well, let's have a little read of this cameo picture that really happened, but it speaks to us spiritually. So Isaac, who is Abraham's son, son of the promise, Isaac is moving around the area with his people and he wants water because water is so important to them in, in, a, in a hot country. Water is life for them and they're looking for wells of water. So let's have a, a read of it. Verse 17 of Genesis 26. Isaac moved away from there and encamped in the valley of Gerar and settled there. Isaac reopened the wells that had been dug in the time of his father, Abraham, which the Philistines, they're the baddies, boo, the Philistines had stopped up after Abraham had died. And he gave them the same names that his father had given them. Isaac's servants dug in the valley and discovered a well of fresh water. When it's talking about a well of fresh water, that's always a symbol of the Holy Spirit. So they're digging these wells, they're getting the junk out, the mud, all the muck and all the dirt, and they're finding fresh water of the Spirit. That's what God's doing here this morning. He's taking some junk out of our life. He's taking some difficulties. He's taking some um, oppositions that we've had. He's taking some relational issues. He's taking junk out of our lives. He's taking some uh, doubt and fear. He's taking some arrogance. He's just taking stuff out of our life by the Spirit and giving us fresh water. They dug in the valley and discovered a fresh wall of water, but there's a couple of buts here. There's a couple of difficulties. And we're going to encounter the same difficulties that these herdsmen encountered. But... The herdsmen of Gerar quarreled with Isaac's herdsmen. And when you go on with God, by the way, not everyone thinks it's wonderful. When you take steps forward to say, yes, I want to encounter Jesus, your life isn't necessarily going to be sweetness and roses and hallelujah choirs singing and everything's going to be settled and sorted out. There are trials and battles that you encounter as you follow Jesus. And let's have a look at a couple of these. The herdsmen of Gerar quarreled with Isaac's herdsmen and said, this water is ours. So he named the well Esek. And if you've got the NIV, uh, there's a little reference. And Esek means dispute. He said he names this one dispute because they disputed with him. But then they move on from that. And we'll talk about this in a moment. Then they dug another well but they quarreled over that one too. And he named that one Sitna. And there's a little reference point there. Sitna means opposition. He moved on from there too and dug another well. But no one quarreled over this one. 
And he named it Rehoboth, saying, and by the way, that means room or spacious place, saying, now the Lord has given us room and we will flourish in the land. And I just feel as we're bringing this to a close, there's a couple of things that God wants to get out of our lives and for us to deal with. As a mature people of God, we will encounter the same things that Isaac's herdsmen encountered. Firstly, they encountered this sense of dispute. And dispute, to me, speaks of relational problems. In the body of Christ and in life, we will have people that quarrel with us. We will have disputes. There will be difficulties amongst us. But just like Isaac's herdsman, if we want to get to the place of room, the place of space, the place of God's dwelling, the place of the Spirit moving freely amongst us, we must settle our difficulties. We must settle our quarrels. We must settle our disputes. So what does it mean biblically to move on from a quarrel? What does it mean biblically to move on from a dispute? Well, the Bible's really clear about it. Jesus is really clear. He says this in Matthew 5, If you know that a brother or sister has something against you, go and put it right. That's what it means to move on. Put it right. And you think, oh, surely, City Church, we never have any disputes. We never have any quarrels. We never have any problems. We're just so sweetness and light. And you said we're the most prophetic people on the planet and we're wonderful. And No, we have problems. We have, we have disputes, don't we? Put them right. And Jesus said, if you know that somebody else has something against you, put it right. And then in Matthew 18, he says, if you have something against a brother, put it right. So there's no excuse. Oh, it's his fault. No, if it's his fault, put it right. If it's your fault, put it right. And I think our churches would be a lot more biblical. Our lives would be a lot more easy. We would get a lot more of the Holy Spirit if we take out some of this relational junk from our lives. And we simply didn't hold a grudge or bear a grudge, but went to a brother or a sister or a friend and said, I'm sorry, let's put it right. And I just want to encourage you, please be biblical in this. I've been in churches where people have held grudges for years. She never talks to me. Well, go and talk to her then. Oh, but she said this. Well, go and put it right. But he did this. That, but they, I'm angry at them. Well, go and say sorry. Put it right. Jesus has forgiven us of all our sins. Every awful thing you've done, and I've done some pretty awful things. And so have you. Jesus has gladly, freely forgiven us of all those awful things. Now he says, then go and forgive one another. Go and have that same spirit with one another. And if we're believing God for the spirit-filled room, the spirit-filled church, it's really important that we deal with relational difficulties, that we go and put it right. And I just want to ask you here, if you've got anything against anyone here, even kids, even Uh, brothers or sisters, against mum or dad, or against... Go and just... This is the most disarming thing you can ever do. I'm sorry. Please forgive me. Can we put it right? As you do that, I believe God will fill this well again with his spirit. And sometimes 
It's these simple steps we need to do in order for Jesus to come and fill us again with his spirit. Well, they move on from that. So good, let's move on from relational difficulties, from troubles. They hit another one, and this one's called opposition. Now, it doesn't, I don't know if you're like me, but doesn't opposition sound a little more menacing than just a dispute? To be opposed, not just a quarrel, not just a dispute, but to be opposed, to me, sounds a little more serious. And I think I'd like to suggest that in our society and in our setting, the opposition that we often get is not from flesh and blood. The disputes are with flesh and blood. We get one another, we forgive one another. But sometimes, as we're going on as the people of God, we get opposition which is not fleshly or bloodly. I'm not sure you can say that. It's not human. It's of another world. The truth is this. There are enemy powers. There is an enemy against us. And we don't fight always against flesh and blood, sometimes there's a demonic stronghold that comes. And even sometimes some of your relational difficulties, even if you try and put it right in the flesh, sometimes there's a demonic power behind it. And we have to stand against the enemy and say, no, I'm not going to receive this. I'm going to move on from that. I'm going to move away from that. I will not cope with this. And, uh, and I were in Mexico last week. And it was fascinating. I was preaching. In fact, I preached the same thing here a few years ago. I was preaching. I wasn't, I didn't plan to preach on this. This is about the story of my life. God often wakes me up in the morning. And if I wake up about five in the morning, I think, oh no. God's going to say something to me. (laughs) And it's usually a bit inconvenient. And it was in Mexico because I prepared a word about Joshua inheriting the land and God woke me up at five in the morning and said, I want you to speak about arrows, and I want you to speak about how an arrow is formed. I've done that with you here a few years ago. Um, and people being sent like arrows all over the world from Mexico. But I also want you to speak on some people have arrows in the back of their, in the back of their, in their backs, and they're enemy arrows. So I spoke about good arrows and bad arrows. And in fact, my reading that morning when I got up and read my Bible devotion, it was Ephesians chapter six, and it was about the fiery, how to extinguish the fiery darts of the enemy. Thought, oh, God, you really are speaking to me. When I got to the conference, interestingly enough, the symbol that they had, it was called Unidad, which means the literal translation is united, but it actually means more like together. So when we say together on a mission, they use the Spanish word Unidad. And they had this amazing word Unidad, and under it, there was a symbol of an arrow. And I said to the guy who designed it, why did you put an arrow? He said, I just thought it was a good symbol to have. Well, prophetically, we spoke about it. But what happened was this. I said, would you just, and I'm not going to do this necessarily this morning, but I said, would you just stand here this morning in Mexico if you feel that it's not just the, a person who's offended you, but the enemy has come against you. You feel like you've, you've got arrows in your back from the enemy. And people just stood and we prayed and there was a lot of crying. There's a lot of setting free. And I said to people, and I've never done this before, And I probably won't do it again. But I said, let's just do a prophetic action. I believe in prophetic actions. And uh, I I said, let's just reach out to one another. If if someone's in front of you, just reach out and pull out the arrows. Like, imagine you're pulling out arrows. What was fascinating is hearing the testimonies after of people who said they felt they got free as people pulled out the arrows. One guy said... Not only did he have some unforgiveness or some difficulty in his life because of a relational conflict, which he knew was the enemy, 
but it had actually caused him to have a bad back. He actually had a bad back in the meeting. And he stood up with incredible pain in his back. He said, I couldn't lift my arms, I can't dance, I couldn't enter into worship. And he said, as, as we dealt with it, as people pulled the arrows, I was healed. My back, he said, look, I can worship and dance and I'm free. It's amazing what God does in the spirit when we obey him. And I believe this morning, some of us need to move on from spiritual attack. What I mean by that is don't nurse it. Don't engage with it. You say, I don't have that in Jesus' name. I'm not going to receive that oppression in Jesus' name. I'm not going to receive that cloud that comes over me in Jesus' name. Uh, I think it was last year, Anne and I were on holiday in Greece. And we'd just come back from a very successful ministry trip. We'd had a brilliant time in Vancouver, actually, where... um, the cousins are and enjoying their time there. We'd had a fabulous time and we'd come back and we'd gone literally the next day on holiday. Two things we hadn't realised. One is that there is ten hours, or sorry, nine hours, eight hours, sorry, there's eight hours between Vancouver and England. So we were already eight hours jet lagged. And then we were going to Greece, which is two hours further on. So actually, we went the next day and we were ten hours jet lagged and it was really quite difficult. Uh, so physically we were tired. And also we felt you sometimes get this little bit of a backlash. As you step down, God, sometimes the enemy tries to rob you. When Jesus was filled with the Holy Spirit, literally this happened to him. He went to the desert the next day and was tempted by the enemy. So sometimes the enemy likes to come and rob you of your blessing. And Anne and I, don't tell anyone this, will you? We had the most blazing public row I mean nobody was around but it was in public that we've ever had and we don't row generally and we were shouting at one another and I think this is not Anne this is not me and I have to confess she was the more spiritual one of the two of us because she said she said after she'd finished shouting at me she said this isn't us is it and we go no this is the enemy and where we were in the street in Greece, nobody was really. We just stood, held hands, and we said, in Jesus' name, we rebuke the enemy. Go now. We will not have this. The depression and the sense of conflict between us, which had gone on for a couple of days, went just like that. Just like that. Sometimes this isn't just human disputes. Sometimes there's an enemy involved with this. And I would just like to pray right now. You don't have to stand. You don't have to identify yourself. But I'm just going to pray right now that if you feel you're under attack of the enemy, you feel an arrow has come into your back, you feel that there's been, this is more than just a, a relational difficulty. This is more than just flesh and blood. This is demonic. This is the enemy. Then actually, I'm just going to pray right now that you'll be set free. In Jesus' name, Lord, I pray for my brothers and sisters who are under attack from the enemy. And in Jesus' name, we rebuke the enemy. We say, go right now. And any arrow that's in their back, in Jesus' name, we pull it out. We say, out you go right now. Be cast out now, in Jesus' name. In the authority of Jesus, who kicked out the money changers in the temple, we kick out any ungodly forces now, and we say, be gone now. In fact, we're very angry about this. We say, go now, in Jesus' name. We don't want you anymore. Go, demonic strongholds. Be broken, in Jesus' name. Amen. And I believe we're free when we say those kind of prayers. 
I believe Jesus comes and sets us free. So they move on to the third well. And the third well is the well of room. It's the well of the presence of God. And I believe God is promising you as a local church, I'm giving you more space. It might be more physical space, by the way, but I'm giving you more space. I'm giving you more of the dwelling of God with you. When you meet like this, I'm going to turn up more. When you come together to pray on a Friday night, I'm going to be there more in power. In fact, I believe Friday nights for you are going to be like wells of the Spirit. In fact, I I believe God has spoken to me before about Sheffield. I believe there is a historic well of revival that has been filled up with junk and clutter and unbelief that actually is dwelling in this very building that God is going to unblock and God is going to set people free. And actually, as you cry to God for revival, as you cry to God for God to come in power in your school, in your college, in your workplace, in your home, in anywhere you go, God's going to do it because he's promising you, I'm opening up, I'm giving a new level, I'm giving a new story, I'm giving a new room, I'm unblocking a well of the Holy Spirit. And he says that Sheffield, you've been known for many things over the years. You've been known for a people of faith. That's what I would say. You know, this, this building, not a single gift day was taken. It's crazy. It's faith. You've been known as a people of prayer. I mean, this, these are the, don't tell anyone else in Christ Central churches, the best prayer meetings I've ever been to in Christ Central and in New Frontiers, and around the world, are downstairs on a Friday night. Why would you ever miss a prayer meeting? God shows up, and it's amazing. You've been known as a great teaching base, and with Arnold's amazing teaching gift, there's still an incredible legacy of that. We still hold all our Christ Central teaching seminars and meetings and school of leadership in your building. But God says there's going to be something new that Sheffield, City Church Sheffield is going to be known for, and that is a well of revival a well of the presence of God, a well of the Spirit. He's opening up a new well here. He's opening up this new room. And he's opening up physically as you gather like this, but he also opens it up in your heart as you go. So tomorrow, guys, when you go to school, it's like he's with you. And anything could happen. It might be you come across a friend who's really sad or really ill or has some real difficulties, and actually you can be telling them about Jesus, who can set them free. God's going to put across our path this week people who are depressed, people who are ill, people who have difficulties, and why does he put darkness across the path of the people of light? (laughs) So that we can bring light into darkness, and you can bring the well and the water and the blessing of the Spirit into those situations. Now, we're going to end this meeting on time. (laughs) But we're going to end it by just praying for one another that the wells of the Spirit are not just opened in City Church Sheffield in some sort of mystical way or when we come to a prayer meeting or when we gather like this, but this well. Jesus said, if anyone's thirsty, let him come to me and drink. And I think it was... uh, I think it was... um, one of the contributions this morning, I think it was John, who was saying, you know, this prophetic thing ultimately is all about seeing Jesus. 
Ultimately, it's all about coming to Jesus. Ultimately, it's all about him. It's not about City Church Sheffield. It's not about New Frontiers. It's not about the eldership. It's not about Alpha. It's not about our vision. It's not about, it's all about Jesus. And Jesus said, if anyone's thirsty, hopefully you're thirsty, come to me and drink. That means it doesn't matter who prays for you because Jesus is in the person next to you. In a moment, we're just going to stand where we are and we're going to pray in twos and threes. We could come to the front, but to be honest, there isn't enough front available for us to pray with everyone. And Jesus, you know, this is not a holy building where Jesus is more at the front than he is at the back. There are some buildings like that where it's holy at the front. I've been to some buildings and you're okay until you step up. Oh, don't step up. That's holy. I thought it was all holy. I thought we're all the people. No, no, that's the holy bit. No, it's not that. We're all holy, and Jesus is in you as much as in one another. If anyone's thirsty, let him come to me and drink. This new And Jesus said, from your innermost being, and he uses a phrase which refers to the temple, from inside you a new temple is going to be opened up, a new well is going to be opened up, and you're going to, he said, and from you will flow a river of living water. In other words, this isn't just for you, this is to splash out, wherever you go. This is to be the blessing of God, wherever you are. So if that's you, I would just like to pray over you first. Not that my prayers are any better, but I want to just end this meeting. (laughs) And then we're just going to pray over and with one another. If you're comfortable, we like to lay hands appropriately on people. It's usually men with men or ladies with ladies, unless married couples or whatever, that's okay. But men, just because that's more appropriate. We've got some people here who are used to praying for other people. There's some leaders here. There's people who are equipped and trained. They may go round and pray for other people as well. If you're a guest, don't feel scared. You haven't got to respond. But I tell you this, in a moment, when I call people to stand, if you want to stand to say, I want to follow Jesus, I want him to be the way into God's presence for me. I want him to remove all my sin, all my shame, all my fear, all my failure, and I want him to fill me with new life, that I can't think of a better way than you standing privately and just saying to somebody next to you, would you pray with me? Because we're going to pray with one another. So if you feel this morning, kids, this is as much about you as it is about mum and dad, young people, much about you as it is about anyone else. If you feel this morning, I know that I need to have a new well of the Spirit opened up in my life. If that's you, and you say, I'm thirsty for this, I want to be a living temple tomorrow, then why don't you stand right now, and we're going to pray over you.